Hello and welcome to another retrospective episode of the Nothing Ventured podcast. In today's episode, we're going to look at some of the VCs and operators impacting tech and venture in Africa. Now, for those of you that don't know me, I was born in Kenya uh, and have deep roots in the community in Mombasa and Nairobi. I still have lots of family there and travel there relatively frequently. And I've always been incredibly optimistic about the future of tech in Africa because often uh, they're solving real problems for people on the ground. So in today's episode, we're gonna hear from some absolutely incredible VCs and operators uh, who have touched Africa in profound ways. Uh, we're gonna hear from Egosa Omoigwi, uh, general partner at Echo VC, David Fogel, who was previously COO and CCO of WeFarm, and Toyosi Ogedengbe, uh, who's currently a VC extension, but goes by uh, the Twitter handle, the Black VC, with strong angel ties to the African ecosystem. I really hope you enjoy this episode and keep supporting us uh, as we grow. looked at that deal a few times we've passed every time got it and you know one of the the key gating items for us was that we didn't believe that the company had enough of a high resolution understanding of the market they were trying to serve got it they didn't have the, they didn't have yeah, the, the deep understanding of... I mean, it is an innate understanding, yeah, right? Yeah, it's sure. not just... It's it's a lived understanding, I guess, right? It really is, you oh. know? So, you know, when we... when we And the people, you know, founders come and they're telling us things and they really want to know, okay, what, what, what is it that you understand? And I'm like, look, you want to go serve farmers in, in Africa, right? And I say, let me tell you a story, right, about one of our portfolio companies that was providing... Um, you know, distributing subsidies to farmers. Mm. And one of the things they would do would be to do KYC, right? And so they would bring these farmers in to do biometrics. And, <laughs> and um, you know, for a lot of these farmers that are not mechanized and don't, you know, rely on mechanized agricultural inputs and the like, um, a lot of it's physical, it's mm. hand-to-hand, mm. And so a bunch of them end up not having fingerprints. Mm. And so, you know, story shows up, farmer comes in, doesn't have, you know, enough discernible fingerprints. And they say, we need fingerprints. So he brings, goes back and brings his son and says, okay, use his fingerprints. Right. Right. And, you know, and I'm like, so when I'm sitting down in London or in New York and explain to you how this works, I know you've got some fancy PowerPoint slides and some McKinsey data, and I don't know, I get that, right? But the high-resolution understanding of the market you're trying to serve mm. is critical. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a member of that demographic, but you have to have, I think, demographic empathy, mm-hmm. right, and understanding. And so it's, you know, when we talk about these underserved markets, you know, it's not necessarily we're necessarily saying we, these are lived experiences for us, but we're not enough people, and we've been, I think, you know, empathetic enough to truly understand. So don't come in there and just stamp, impose your own view of it. But what does this world look like, and how are the behaviors manifesting themselves? And those are things that 
you know, the rational mind are easy, you know, the rational mind can easily dismiss because yeah. it just doesn't make sense to you. Why would they do X or Y? That's not the point. The point is that they do do X and Y. Well, and, and this is, I mean, like the, the example that I always give is, you know, whilst here in the UK or in the US for that matter, you know, we sit here, we complain about whether our internet online banking works, right? And we're worried about how that website looks yeah. and whether the flow works. On the other hand, in, in Africa, you have people literally sending money via SMS, yes. right? Like, because, but, but you would need to understand why, yes. right? That was required at that point Correct. in time in that market. And the reason is very simple. You know, people don't have or didn't have smartphones. I think, you know, there's 50% yep. penetration yep. now, but, you know, back in those days, probably 10%, 12% or whatever, but people did have, you know, the Nokias yep. and, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, the SMS technology, right? But yeah, I, I guess it's, it's, it's that question of how well do you understand that market? And there are some markets, you know, I know ha having lived in Papua New Guinea, for example, if you've never lived there, there is no way you will understand like what a cocoa grower in the highlands goes through, goes through, right, right? to get their product yeah. to market and, and 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 how that works. And there's a construct we built internally uh, for investing in these uh, underserved markets, sort of a requirement for how we, you know, the things we push founders to think through. And this one is called we call it the ZCL for zero cognitive load, and so it's critical to build products and services that has zero cognitive load, mm. right? And an example of zero cognitive load product is certainly WhatsApp. But the prior example was M-Pesa, right? Yeah. And, I, and I like to say, you know, you know, what is the most interesting feature of M-Pesa mm. that allows it to be like water? It'll flow anywhere, right? And people are like, oh, because it's mobile. No. Because you don't need to know how to read or write English. Yeah. It doesn't make any assumptions. But even the trader on the side of the road knows how to count mm. zero to nine. Yep. That is the bottom line, right? Because at the end of the day, they understand the concept of money. Yep. Right? So when you're using, you know, not alphanumerals, but just numerals to, to transmit, receive money, that is a zero cognitive load product. And I, told, and I tell folks, it's not, it's not fancy, but it gets the job done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when you now start thinking of M-Pesa, instead of what, what was it, it was 60, 70% of the Kenya GDP, mm. you're thinking, wow, for a, in quotes, zero cognitive load product, it was doing okay. Yeah, had no fancy bells, whistles, didn't require it. You know what? The problem now is, of course, I can't get it unless I have a Kenyan mobile number, which which was the thing when I was there, like recently, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, but you know, there, you know, there's KYC <laughs> and there's AML <laughs> and they all the strictures, yeah, right? Sure. But it's, you know, the same example, a similar example, yeah. uh, you know, is Cash App. Yep. Right, in the US, right? Genius product. Yeah. Um, or even you know, WeChat in China. Yeah, yeah. You know, zero yeah. cognitive load. Yeah, yeah. Right, and you know, you you know, and what I think people always miss with these, um, you know, underserved markets, you know, is again this iceberg philosophy. Just how large they are, <laughs> right? They just, I mean, if you look at Block's latest quarter and what Cash App is doing in one quarter. You're thinking, and you know, Cash App is really 
the middle of America phenomenon. Yep. Right. I mean, the 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 the, the coast or whatever it is, you know, they're snooty, they use Zell, they, they you know, and all that good stuff. But Cash App is a middle of America phenomenon. And it is a giant of a business. Yep. Right. But again, you know, it's really thinking about these markets. And you know, you think about it and say if if Cash App woke up today and said, Oh, let's go raise money, right? I don't know which VCs will give them money. Really? Because it's a market way to be like, eh. it's, it's not sexy. No. Right? And like, do these people have any money? Yeah. But they do. Yeah. And in fact, they have money and they're more conscious about how much money they have and where they're spending and how they're yep. spending it, right? So, so they are locked in. They don't have the ability to That's kind it. of shop around. Right? So when you're bringing these products to market, what you're also doing is serving markets um, and, and customers that have zero to limited optionality. Yeah. Right? And that's when you talk about churn, you know, you don't see a lot of churn in these markets because they don't have very much optionality to begin with. Yeah. Right, but and, no, these, and these things, these products also become such an embedded part of their life. That that's there's it. just no way that that's they it. They become yeah. habits. Yeah, habits. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and so, so that's that's how we think about these things. Yeah, I mean that's super interesting. I'm sure again we could talk about that for another uh, hour as well. But look, when you started raising Echo VC, and we talked again a little bit about this on the Primer, but you were a black GP trying to raise money. I still am, by the way. You are, yeah. I yeah. think I think I I, I double checked when you came in. You still you still got the right card. You're carrying the credentials, but you're trying to raise money for a crazy strategy that like a random strategy, right? That yeah. no one had ever heard of, right? You wanted to invest in these weird places in in underserved markets and 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 you know people hadn't thought about it or even heard about it i guess because we're going back to 2014 right. right like people weren't thinking about this stuff but what were the specific challenges you think you faced as a person of color trying to raise a fund uh and 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 as a person of african origin right like a nigerian uh of nigerian origin trying to raise capital and how did you overcome them right because i assume like especially in the u.s again you are that many parts removed, right? You're not an African-American. You are an African, African. in America, right. right? With a weird hybrid accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, don't want, I don't want to raise that, right. but yeah. But, but I, think, I think, you know, when I look back now, you know, where did I find sort of coefficient of drag, right? Mm -hmm. Where did I find headwinds? Um, one was the, the strategy didn't match the allocation structure of LPs. So as an LP kindly told me, you want to do Africa and Asia. LPs don't, don't even set up like that. They might have uh, the rest of the world, Asia, Americas, Europe. Yeah. Right. But they never have any sort of communication between those, 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 those groups. So that's a problem. The second is that, you know, they, they don't necessarily see a, a track record in these markets, right? So yes, you've done some stuff in you know you know in India and you've done well and all that good stuff, but there's no specific track record in those markets, which I think was a was a was a was a fair fair uh, uh, pushback on that. Um, and then I think the third was that you know I had come close at Intel Capital with big wins, but I so I was contrarian. And I was right, but I didn't have capital at risk. And that was the biggest loss, right? Because, you know, even when we're fighting for the first Facebook investment and I was begging, 
you know, I was like, okay, fine, we can't do 260 because the CEO was being weird. Intel CEO was being weird about it. Um, you know, I you know, I still remember walking up and down the corridor trying to beg my boss, okay, can we just do 75? Right. And it's kind of interesting because even the 75, right, you know, Facebook got to a trillion. You know, you come in at 75 and we're at 10 billion, you know, it's it's a real number, mm. right? And and but you know we never got close enough, right? You know, even LinkedIn when I wanted to do eighty five to one hundred and twenty five, um, you know, that was you know we came close again but didn't get it done. Yep. You know that would have returned, you know that would have returned twenty plus x. Yeah. Right. And so you know there were these giant returns. So why I wasn't you know I had a few good things out there, uh, the big returns, hadn't, I didn't have them. So mm. I could talk about them, but, you know, I could never rely on them, right? Mm. So I think out there being, you know, people talk about, well, you can, be, you know, be contrarian, but a lot of the allocated money is really not designed to to take those risks, mm. right? And and so, you know, I, I always described the, the, the fundraising part as, as as pouring diesel into an F1 engine, um, and and so you know, and that's why you know we kept plugging away. But you know what's also interesting is that you know even when you're contrarian or right, you know you look back and people, you know, I still remember people who said this strategy is dumb. These markets are never going to amount to anything. Yeah. Well, the markets actually did amount to something. Actually, to a lot. Right, and so you're now and, and are continuing to grow. And continue to grow. I, I literally spoke to someone yesterday whose entire business is around diligencing African ventures for VC funds yeah. sitting outside of Africa because yeah. they don't have boots on the ground. Yeah, and if you look at it, like the the really interesting aspect of it is, you were there and you're like, yeah, of course, farmers do this. I know farmers. Like people don't know farmers. Not to mention the the challenges, and there's a lot of and this is part of the insight that Kenny brought when he, he created WeFarm. There was a a very paternalistic approach to say, oh, we know how to farm. Let us teach you small-scale farmers in Africa or Latin America or Asia how you should do it. And his insight was they're actually super smart people. They're running uh, – to run a farm is to run a business. Uh, and like any, they're like more experienced, less experienced. If we just provide the platform for them to help each other like they already do, we just like embed the existing behavior and scale it. Mm. And – People never met a farmer. Like I was not even talking about in Africa, in UK, or uh, like the amount of people that know farmers, and that the the entire aspect of farmers helping each other, mm. small scale farmers, was really difficult to for people to wrap their hands around. Um, I think if you look at the business itself, one of the biggest challenges is how the hell do you scale to millions of farmers in Africa? And that was 2015. Mm. Um, smartphones were there, but not in Africa. Uh, smartphone penetration in Africa in 2015 was about 14%. Yeah. Uh, so now we, everyone has like four. Now yeah. now it's in Kenya, it's about 50, 55%. Yeah, yeah. But like, um, I think in uh, Nigeria is about going on 30%, 25%. But again, Nigeria is almost 200 million people. So yeah, that's still yeah, a yeah. huge. Uh, but it, it's moving up. And I think one of the biggest challenges was like, oh, we don't see the scale. The only companies that were able to get to millions of small-scale farmers in Africa as a whole were telcos, yep. which basically... Which is where M-Pesa and all of these sort of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, the I would say the core challenge is how do you keep an engaged small-scale farmer and then scale it in a 
recurrent manner and figuring out that scale. And it took, I would say, roughly six to 12 months to understand what is the mechanism to, uh, to increasingly grow. But then within, I think, the first year, it was 32,000. Mm-hmm. The second year, there was a, we dub- more than doubled that, about 80,000. Mm. And then it's a million. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then it became, within a couple of years, three and a half million. The only ones that are able still today that to get to three and a half million are like telcos. Yeah, yeah. Um, so once we have that, the, the biggest, the second challenge was how do you commercialize and where within the value chain we step in. Mm. And I think we investigated a lot of ways. We found the right one, I think. And um, I think one of our challenges is like with many startups is 2022 happened. Yeah. And what, we, so what? just before you get to that, what yeah. was the commercial model then? So the end commercial model that we uh, was a marketplace. Okay. Where basically, and this is part of the realization, there were two things that happened in 2020. Mm. Uh, I put COVID aside. Mm. Um, within all of that, we realized that uh, smartphone penetration has got to almost 50% mm-hmm. in Kenya. So we need to choose if we're building an app mm-hmm. or continue on SMS. Mm-hmm. And we decided to realize, well, all the farmers will be on smartphones and at least half of them are. So... Let's build to where they are. So we switch platforms. We literally dropped the sh- uh, the, uh, the SMS. The SMS, yeah. We kept it running for the ones that won, but didn't put any effort in it. Uh, and moved all the resources in developing an app. And within that, basically, think about like any other marketplace. There's retailers that sell to farmers on a daily basis. Yeah. We came to those retailers. I said, in your county, you have 2,000 people that buy from you per month. We have 10,000 people in your county alone. Put your store online. Put all your stock. And and this was we was was this what developed into We Farm Shop? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, and basically, you put all your uh, stuff online. We help you sell more, and we take a percentage out of it. Yeah. The idea after that, and we already started uh, running, uh, was now that we have, and there's a whole thing about uh, loans uh, to small scale uh, farmers. Mm-hmm. The problem is most loans in Africa are uh, delivered based on acreage, like. Yeah. Yeah. You have two acres, yeah, I can give you like uh, 20,000 uh, Kenyan shillings. Yeah. Why? Because you can probably produce this or that, and it's. Uh, but there's a huge aspect of gap of um, basically, you call it uh, in our uh, world, basically just running the, the day-to-day operations. Yeah, the costs, yeah. Um, and once we have somebody that is buying online, we have basically uh, access to, access to a, a way to uh, estimate disposable income. Yeah. So instead of having 30% default rate... You essentially create credit scoring for... Exactly. Yeah. You become the credit scoring. We're already talking to banks and basically based on your... If you've done the average uh, spent on per purchase, the first one, the average was 10 mm-hmm. But people bought four times a month mm. and ended up with about thirty-two on average. Wow, thirty-two dollars per spend. Because again, running a business takes money. Yeah, and it, we just shifted all that money to us. Mm. Um, and basically, within that, take a fee, then become the debt provider, and uh, and so on. Yeah, so, so you essentially create a financial services yeah. app for for smallholders. But yeah. there was a. a I would say two reinforcing network effects. The one about the knowledge in the community. Mm. People kept coming back because the knowledge. So uh, like people always diversify in terms of what the crops. And somebody said, oh, I want to start farming bees. And like, oh, this is what you need to do. A, B, C. This is how you start with it. This is 
one, then three, then five. Somebody said, oh, sorry, but how do you purify honey? This is one of the most memorable posts. I was like, and then somebody gave a one step-by-step step 14 uh, <laughs> bullet points. How do you purify, purify honey? I, I remember we all looked at it and it was like, this is amazing because if you Google it, there's nothing on it. Mm. It's like, but this is super applicable for small-scale farmers because we're talking about take these two type of like um, uh, containers. They are basically plastic containers. Put mm. two rocks in this. This is the pr- like super basic but super valuable. Uh, and people kept coming back for that. And then they were like, okay, so what type of pesticide do I need to buy? How do I do this? And that is a feedback loop directly into the shop. Yeah. Where they buy more. Yeah, so it's like, now I know how to purify honey. Where do I buy my bucket? Right, exactly. go back to the shop, buy. Yeah. So buy all the stuff there. And that and the shop itself is like, okay, I, you buy more. I, we can actually give you more credit. Mm-hmm. We can buy more and basically build your business bigger and better. We, I'm not even touching the second layer that we wanted to do is now that I have all the data of what all the retailers in uh, Kenya have and it's online and how they sell, we can help the same thing for them, mm. which is basically provide debt for them mm. and connect them to the uh, marketplace for financing. Mm. But also we can help them buy better. Mm. So the entire thing was being the digital platform that connects all the players and make it more efficient and more equitable. You go up and down the value chain, yeah. essentially. Uh, and but again, that was the financial We services. haven't touched on that, unfortunately, yet, yeah. uh, because uh, 2022 happened. Yeah, well, sadly, I guess, because, I mean, I think, you know, one of the, we're, we're going to have uh, uh, Igoso on in, in, in a couple of weeks, talk about Africa tech in general, but but certainly Ni- Nigeria, Lagos, and so on. But um, the, the thing that I always am struck by is that, tech that is serving populations in Africa is serving grassroots populations. These are people with real needs and therefore the tech is often solving real problems. Like I always say, you know, whilst we're sitting here investing in 50 minute grocery delivery, like these guys are solving. Now it's about 45. Yeah, (laughs) if you're lucky. Uh, If there's anyone standing, I'm not sure who's just been acquired, but I think someone else has just died a death as well, right? but um but but you know these are real problems and i think it's really sad when when propositions like this uh uh essentially close down because you know they 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 yeah. really they really were solving a, a, a direct need of but it, of an really, underserved market right yeah definitely don't get me wrong i think that i think one of the challenges that and people look at it a lot in terms of Oh, we're we shouldn't uh, like VCs should invest in innovative solutions and change the world and and the, as a VC or ex VC, I think there's a fallacy that people don't understand about what VCs are actually there for. They're and there to make money, not just there for other people. They manage yeah. other people's money. Yeah. There's obligations to that, and not to invest in cool innovate and innovative. Yeah. In- innovation innovation is like a is a happy uh, product it, of investing in the exactly. right financial return yeah and what really matters to most vc because the structure of the fund requires very fast returns mm. and very big returns i mean we vcs we always talk about what problem are you solving mm. and i personally think to your point in africa people are solving real problems yeah. like how do you get from a to b there is no like that's the, the most basic like of it's so yeah. basic yeah. how do i get you know, fundamental education for my child when I can't afford to live close to the school because everything's expensive. I live miles away, but 
oh my goodness, there's only one bus. So that's twofold problem, right? Transport problem, education problem. If you have a digital way, as an example, like bridge, to deliver that, that, bridge, bridge, bridge academy, sorry, yeah, um, yeah. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Now, so why Africa? Problems are huge. Population is uh, very young. We've experienced immense growth in tech over the last few years, which is amazing. On the one hand, it's been a huge flow of venture dollars into Africa. I have my my opinions on that in well, terms of whether it's the right money or the well, wrong money. Well, lot, but, I mean, like a lot of the like a lot of the chats that I'm on are like, yeah, yeah, we're looking at investing in Africa, but we're looking for businesses doing two million a bit dar exactly. uh, and at like post Series C. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you just basically want zero risk. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Which again, and and it's ironic because we're in the venture game. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> wake up. If we're in the venture game, we need to take risk. Mm. But the good thing is. Money's been flowing into the continent, which is great. Um, there have been, unfortunately, some mishaps. But guess what? There have been mishaps everywhere. The interesting thing is the media usually, um, I would argue, accentuates it when it's in certain markets versus others. But or certain people. I or certain people. Well, right? Or so certain like people. Like the Elizabeth Holmes kind of correct, thing. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, and then uh, I think the other thing is we've been seeing, so a lot of companies have been raising follow-on rounds, which is good. A lot of companies have exited, which is amazing. Those founders who have exited are now channeling money back into the ecosystem, talking about network effects and the flywheel again, which is obviously spurring the new set of companies um, and innovators, which is amazing. Um, which is what's missing in the UK, to, to, be, <laughs> to be quite blunt. Right? Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then the other pieces around... Um, uh, the the funds. So what started as angel syndicates are now graduating to micro funds. Micro funds are now raising their fund twos. So basically emerging fund managers who've been long on the continent for a while are actually growing up, mm. if you like. Mm. Again, it's super early. I mean, the largest fund in the whole of Africa is um, uh, Partech, mm -hmm. Partech's Africa Fund, 235 yeah. million, which that's, I mean, it's it's. It's big, big for but it's Africa, not, yeah. but it's not big. I mean, if you compare that to Europe, it's like, oh, okay, you're a seed fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas yeah. for Partech, yeah. that's like literally, it's more like a growth fund, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have a lot of time for Africa. Obviously, I'm Nigerian myself, passionate about the region. I'm long on the region, uh, and I will continue to invest there. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, like like you, I'm Kenyan, although that that gets debated by by people all the time. I was I was <laughs> born there, uh, and would consider myself and my family certainly considers them, themselves uh, East African Indians. And uh, I think the yeah we we see it all the time, right? There are businesses that are being built out there that really are truly innovative, uh, are really you know breaking ground on something that is affecting people you know on the ground. I was, we interviewed Agosa Omoigui um, on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago, and you know we talked very specifically about one company uh, where you know, and I think this is the challenge with Africa, especially for people uh, either coming in as investors or people coming in and trying to build in Africa. And and the way he described it is like if you do not have a fundamentally lived experience of the problems on the ground you cannot build to solve 100%, those problems 100%. because those problems are so unique and are so 
uh, visceral, right? Like to, to people, if you haven't actually been through those, if you haven't actually- You can't understand it. You can't understand it. Can't. And if you can't understand it, you can't build a soul. So, so I think, you know, for anyone that is interested in, 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 uh, in the Africa scene, I think obviously follow Toyosi but, um, and others, but, uh, you know, there are some really exciting things happening there. One more sure. point on that, just before we move on. And I, th- I, I said it, but I didn't say it explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, talent. Yeah. If we genuinely believe that talent is evenly distributed in the world, Mm -hmm. then we should be looking at Africa. In any case, a bunch of people who went to study in Europe, went to study in the US, they've now moved back and they're now trying to build companies that can affect the people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a nice segue, actually, to Ascension um, with uh, with our funds because one thing that I can definitely say about Ascension that I've seen is culturally, we we genuinely, everyone genuinely believes that talent is evenly distributed. And that is shown in the, sorry to use the word, but the diversity of the founders that we actually have um, in the company. In, in, the, in, the, in the company and in the fund. Presumably. In the company and in the fund. Yeah. Correct. So interestingly, uh, my sister-in-law so my cousin's wife uh who is african grew up in kenya uh, is now working for a business that's actually based out of australia she, she lives in australia um that is essentially running apprenticeship apprenticeships for developers out of africa and are finding and, and what 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 that means is going to u.s uk uh um and and other presumably european or, or certainly english-speaking uh kind of countries and placing uh these developers um uh, three months free of charge to the business thereafter they they kind of have to hire them what they're finding is actually the quality of the 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 talent is is so so great that it's a no-brainer right Mm -hmm. and and actually um you know yes slightly cheaper i think market forces will will play uh, play an effect there and and people start developing but i think you know that is a massive there, there is to your point a massive opportunity because there is talent on the continent um, you know, there are other companies that I've seen, again, um, uh, I, I can't remember, I think it was Hyperion Development in mm-hmm. South Africa, again, you know, which had this really interesting, and again, network effects, right? So it would train developers and then use the developers to train the developers the next and, developer. and, nice. and, and essentially Very create nice. a flywheel in that way. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I think, again, we could we could talk about Africa for a long time. So, day, we, indeed, so, indeed. so so moving on, right, and, and kind of... Um, I guess associated with this whole this whole conversation is you know we've all heard by now at mm-hmm. least I hope we have uh, that only you know 1.87 so sub two percent of venture funding goes to women and minority ethnic um, uh, or minority led startups. It is still worth repeating that and banging that drum you know till till the cows come home because you know something needs to change. But what about the other side of the table, right? Mm-hmm. So what is your what is the culture like in VC? as a minority, as a member of an underrepresented community. Uh, and what was your lived experience of that? That's a, that's a very interesting question, very personal as well. Um, so I was very fortunate to get into VC. And actually, I mean, most people don't think this probably, but I think anyone who works in venture is fortunate, period. Sure. Because you are, you're basically deciding whether or not you're going to put money into somebody else's company that is dependent on you in a way, hmm. um, and you're choosing. You're you're the you're you choosing, the and you also you're deferring the results from that choice for like 10, 15 years. Correct. Right. Correct. So that's a very privileged position to be in. Um, so my experience, to be honest, I've had 
how, I mean, when I think about how I even got into venture, so I, I post um, uh, founding the company, went to business school for a bit, started working at Creative Fund, then I had an internship at Bessemer, and then I got introduced. Oh, sorry, Creative Fund, not Creandum, as yes. I mentioned earlier. Okay. Fine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, apologies. Um, no problem. Cre uh, worked at Creative Fund, did a, 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 a an extended internship at Bessemer, and then I eventually got um, introduced to Speed Invest by a mutual contact uh, from Creative Fund, and I. I've, I, I focus on that point because when I think back, I think all of my, all of my venture gigs were through an introduction. Mm -hmm. It's massively relationship driven, yeah. It's massively relationship driven, which shouldn't be, right? I mean... It's a warm, so, it's so, a warm intro. So, so actually, problem. so on this point, and people feel two ways about this. It's a bit of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I think it's unfair that it's that way. But on the other hand, if you go away from venture for a second and you just think about everything in life, you make decisions oftentimes off the basis of trust. Mm -hmm. But trust usually comes from people you know. And so it's not just a venture thing. People you know and people that look like you. That is true, right? Actually, and, and, and that's and, the point. And and this is the and the, you know it's the issue with recruitment. It's been proven time and time again. Like people will often recruit people that look like them, yes. right? And to take it a step further, if you think about venture from the from the perspective of a founder, if you're an underrepresented founder, like, do you want to talk to the forty year old white <laughs> male who doesn't have you know who hasn't lived that experience that you've lived or uh, you know hasn't understood what it means to be you know, a farmer in, in you know, uh, the DRC or whatever, or would you rather speak to someone who has lived on the continent, you know, is African by, by heritage, has understood exactly where you're coming from and, and like could regale you with stories of the same thing, 100%, right? Yeah. 100%. So I'm going to say two points. So I'll first answer the question because I realize I haven't actually answered it. That's fine. It. <laughs> Sorry, that's um, my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no worries at all. So my experience as a VC being underrepresented in venture, and I use the term underrepresented intentionally, as opposed to ethnic minority. Sure. And I'll tell you why. I, I, I said this to someone literally just two days ago. I'm Nigerian. There are 250 <laughs> million of us yeah, sure. in the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a minority. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's why I hate BAME as a friend. Like, I mean, like, BAME captures more than half of the world's exactly, population. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs>